Here we go. All right. Another episode of the Scoring Compass podcast, but this is uh, a part of a, a series I'm doing where I am discussing the upcoming June 12th Esotericon 2021. And uh, you will be able to find the link to purchase tickets in the description to this video. And I'll maybe leave one in the comments as well. I've got my tickets. I can't wait to attend. I've also had the chance to connect with a few of the presenters. Um, you know, Ben Wallace has already been on the podcast. His episode would have been out just before this one. It's going to be a terrific time. So with that, we have a, a stacked house. We have brothers uh, or brethren, Kevin uh, Horman, Joe Martinez, Jason Richards, and John uh, Ruark. So thank you so much for being here. Let's start with, um, I guess, yeah, let's start with, with why we are here. Anybody wants to jump in, go ahead. What is Esotericon and what can anybody, be it a Freemason or not a Freemason, uh, uh, gain via attendance? So Esotericon is, you know, at its very foundation, a a chance for like-minded individuals to get together and nerd out on philosophy and mystery. And um, we started started out as a, you know, an, an offshoot of some of the other uh, very popular Masonic conferences that, that have been around, whether it be uh, Masonicon from uh, the folks up in uh, Ezekiel Bates up in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for, for next year. Excited about that. Uh, as well as, you know, we, uh, John and I hosted uh, TMRCon uh, for the 300th anniversary of Freemasonry back in um, 2017. And we realized that uh, there was there was a big gap in, in our personal Masonic experiences around the the esoteric nature of, of the mysteries of of the fraternity and, and outside of the fraternity and so it was really Joe and Kevin who who had this this idea for well why don't we do something specifically related to to esoteric philosophy and then John and I kind of said oh we can do this too so uh, it really is Joe and, and Kevin's brainchild uh, but um, it's it's for folks who who love mystery and to love mysticism and philosophy. And it's, it's not for folks who, who come to lodge for, for green beans. The, um, the, well, actually before we talk about the, the mysterious and, and esoteric aspect of the craft, the technological aspect of the craft, this uh, event, Esotericon, as with, you know, Masonicon, which I attended and, and I had, um, you know, Ezekiel Bates Lodge on the podcast, uh, is taking place virtually this year, um, as are, you know, uh, many Masonic events. Freemasonry in Ontario has been almost exclusively virtual for the last year and a half. Uh, for, you know, you guys as organizers, what has it been like you know, organizing an event like this in the virtual space? And also, do you expect that, you know, in as vaccination rates increase, as, you know, we, we 
uh, move into the future. Do you expect to continue for Freemasonry in general and Esotericon to have a to to remain in the virtual space? So let me let me emphatically answer uh, the first part of your question. Uh, which is no, we don't intend Esotericon to remain in in the virtual space in the future. Um, so this is our third year that we've had Esotericon. The first year was completely in person. This was 2019. It was way before COVID, and um, we had intended to do 2020. We had already started selling tickets in November of uh, November of 2019. So this is way before the pandemic started and things got locked down. So it wasn't until about February or March where we actually pivoted and turned 2020 into an all virtual event. And that was a complete goat rope, you know, trying to, you know, get 150 plus people to go from coming up in person to, to switching to, you know, an online format. But I think, I think we did it quite successfully, um, not knowing what we didn't know back then. And then this year, you know, it, with all the uncertainty, in planning, we decided to do it virtually, but I, I think I speak for all four of the organizers here that we have zero intentions of doing an all virtual event next year. Um, it kind of, for an event like this, that is really a niche market in in things like Freemasonry and uh, other, other initiatic orders, um, you kind of lose something doing the event in an all virtual format. You miss the the social aspect and you miss the the conversational aspect that you get of going to an esoteric presentation or listening to Ben Wallace or Angel Millar and and then going back out in the dining hall and having a three hour conversation about what you just listened to. You don't get that in, in the Zoom format. Um, so again, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me here when we say we, we very much look forward to being all in person uh, next year and, you know, for years to come. Yeah, just with any particular mystery school or initiatic experience, there's a there's a connectional aspect that happens when you're face to face. And so, you know, we we've always wanted Esotericon to be, you know, it's its own sort of initiatic experience with that that deep connectional bond that yep. occurs between the folks who attend. And uh, to kind of riff off of Joe, you know, we last year we started and, and we'll be doing this year, you know, trying to do kind of special events during the day. So last year we had tarot readings for for the attendees that was done all virtually. Uh, and then this year, of course, we're doing the, the natal chart readings, which, you know, I think I don't think anybody here would disagree with me saying that, you know, thing activities like those are, are much better, I think, done in person. Uh, obviously, given the situation with COVID last year and, and this year in the run-up as we were planning it, uh, you know, our, our, our decision was made for us, right? But trying to, you know, doing something like that or whatever we're going to do next year, we haven't figured that out. Uh, you know, we, we, they are events which, which lend much better to be done, being done in person. I will say, though, the move to virtual probably brought about one of the most anticipated uh, parts of the conference, which is the swag bags that we send out <laughs> to the ticket holders. Because what happened is we, you know, we, we charge tickets and our entire goal for, for the conference, and I, I don't think anyone will, um, will dispute me on this, our entire goal is to break even. So we don't want to make money and we certainly don't want to lose money. So uh, as we did last year, we'll do this again this year. Any money that we raise above our operating costs is donated fully to charity. Um, so 
we were faced with the idea that, okay, you know, we factor in, it's a self-funding conference, so we factor in estimated costs for a venue for catering lunch, things of those natures or things of that nature. And so we're like, okay, do we, do we just give everybody like, you know, a, an 80% discount or do we find something else that makes us really, really unique and really fun? And that's where we turn to the idea of what if we as the conference organizers curated individual packs uh, and, and bags for every person who didn't want that refund so that it's almost like a, a loot crate or, or a loot box for, for esoteric um, items. And uh, that has become one of the one of the most fun parts of the entire planning process is figuring out what goes in the swag bags and then seeing like they started arriving this past week and seeing Facebook and social media explode with people going, Oh, I got this. I got this. I got this. It's just, you know, and that was born very much out of the necessity of finding our, you know, something to make a virtual conference just as exciting as, in some parts, at least, as you know, going to vendor tables at Ezekiel Bates. Yeah, and it was uh, to, just to that point, we had asked, um, just like Jason said, we had already sold a healthy number of tickets before before the lockdown started. So we asked all of the ticket holders, "Hey, would you like a full refund? Would you like a partial refund? You know, just to cover our costs to do things online, or do you want us to keep all the money and send you a whole bunch of really well selected and, like Jason said, curated?" um stuff you know in addition to a t-shirt and a pail pin and all the things that masons need to to go on their day um i i think i can't i, can, I think i can count on one hand with fingers left over how many people said no i don't want anything just give me a full refund it was really minimal the number of people that that you know didn't want to participate and, and get into the swag bag thing the so the the thing about and in my experience and in my, you know, do, doing this podcast, you know, uh, the, the explosion of Freemasonry into the, the virtual space and the opportunities that it presents to, you know, augment the craft has been a really interesting conversation. So, for example, here in Ontario, um, we have our Grand Lodge coming up. Every year, uh, the communication takes place in Toronto, and voting has always been in person. And if you've ever seen a map of Ontario, trying to get from, uh, you know, Kenora, which is in a different time zone, the furthest kind of jurisdiction, to Toronto is pretty much impossible. And so there's always, you know, complaints about, and I say complaints, but, you know, rightful concerns brought up about, um, you know, the inability for brethren to have a vote at Grand Lodge if they're in a northern jurisdiction. And so this year it's completely virtual and a lot of Grand Lodge officers and, and candidates are very happy about that because it, you know, it franchises brethren, you know, who just couldn't travel to Grand Lodge due to expense and time, it would just be too hard. Um, but, you know, the understanding is, you know, a in-person Grand Lodge will come back you know, hopefully 2022, and you, you will see that happening again, but the in-person portion will be smaller because you'll have a greater number of people voting online 
while also maintaining in-person activities and in-person events, which I think presents opportunities to actually move Grand Lodge around because if you know you have less people attending, down from say 500 hotel rooms, you know, to only 300 or 400, you can actually bring it to some smaller towns. So I guess my I bring that up to say, um, uh, you know, the even though and and I knock on wood, I hope I can attend an Esotericon in person in the future. Do you ever think that the, or just for any of these events, any Masonic cons, do you suspect that a lot of Grand Lodges and Masonic events will use the virtual space to augment in-person physical meetings? Not in Virginia. I was going to say, I, I was going to break the ice uh, just to just to be the bad guy in the room and then everybody else will chime in because they'll feel calmer about it. And then it. Jason but, uh, shattered it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think let's, let's, let's break that up into two separate questions, right? Because, you know, the explosion to your point of the ability to do masonry online or in a virtual format is, is different than uh, to me, the administration and running of, of grand lodges in an online format. Right. Um, because these four, you know, these three other brothers on, on the call with me, you know, we all have a very specific definition of what we consider Freemasonry to be. Right. And that was one of the reasons why we all started Esotericon together. Right. Because we didn't want, you know, we didn't want something like a Grand Lodge session where it's just the droning of business um, that all could be handled in a 10 page PDF that's emailed to you. Um, you know, we wanted something very niche and very specific. And, and to Jason's point, that's why we weren't like Masonicon in Massachusetts or Masonicon in Chicago or Texas Masonicon, you know, because they cater to everybody. Um, they cater to people that are interested in history and people that want to buy a bunch of swag and people that are interested in ritual and people that are interested in the nuance aspects of the craft. We were very specific in our focus. It's like we want all, everything that has to do with esotericon to be of an esoteric nature, right? Which is that really bad word in Freemasonry and nobody likes to use it. And 90% of the people don't know what it means, you know? So we're here to uh, basically take this concept out of the closet, no pun intended, and... Um, you know, show people that, you know, the word esoteric, it's not as bad of a word as you think it means. And in fact, all of the stuff you do in Freemasonry from, you know, putting on an apron to sitting down to getting ready to listen to the minutes, it's all esoteric. Um, you just don't realize it, right? Because you're not paying attention. Um, but to your point, I mean, I think to the other half of your question, I think more Grand Lodges should probably do something in an online format. I think they'd get more participation. Um, and at least, uh, I've been to Grand Lodge sessions in a couple of jurisdictions, not all of them. So some may be way more fun than others, but my general experience has been you get a good two days of uh, really mundane business that, again, you don't need the pomp and circumstance for. So why not, you know, turn it into a seminar and allow, you know, all your thousands of constituents to attend. Um, but like I said, I don't want to speak for everybody on the call, so I'll shut up. As I unmute myself, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, one more, one more quick thing, Cameron. I think uh, you know the the success of Esotericon, in my view, is almost paradoxical, given that when you talk about esotericism, it's something that is not available to a a large portion of of the population. Uh, it's not for general public's you know, comprehension. And so the, the idea that, you know, we've, we've seen over the past three years, the, the numbers of, of folks who want to attend just ballooning 
And it's just, you know, it is funny in some ways because, um, again, to, to Joe's point, we're catering to a very niche subsection of the population and not just of masonry, because especially this year, um, you know, we're, we are not a Masonic event and we're, we're moving away from, you know, being a, a Masonic, you know, affiliated event because there there are a lot there's a lot of esotericism esotericists that that fall outside of of um you know masonic membership but it is interesting that you know we're getting very popular but we're, we're almost not meant to be well i think that that goes to you know something that we discussed uh, uh jason when you were on my podcast and it's something I thought of when, when Joe mentioned, you know, it, earlier he used the phrase niche. Um, the idea of, of it being a niche topic. I've, I've thought for a long time now, and one thing I'm trying to do with this podcast is, is I think that the one thing that Freemasonry needs um, is, is, and we need to be looking at is getting uh, for lack of a better term, fans, uh, instead of focusing on uh, membership. So uh, I'll use the example of cooking because I can't cook. Uh, and any Mason who was a member when I was junior warden can attest to that, right? I can't cook to shit. Uh, but I enjoy um, cooking shows, right? And a lot of celebrities, a lot of chefs are, you know, you know they're, they're huge celebrities and they... Um, you know, the people watching aren't out there cooking themselves. A lot of times they just watch it because they find it entertaining or interesting. You could use MMA as another example, right? The percentage, you know, it, when mixed martial arts, when UFC puts out a, a, a show about the fighters, when they do a pay-per-view, they're not um, advertising to other fighters. They're advertising to the general public. And then, you know, as percentages go, so, you know, you get, 5,000 people in an arena to watch McGregor, Poirier, whatever it is. Of those 5,000, you know, maybe 1% actually decide that they want to take the next step and they join a local gym. And of that, 1% then become the next, you know, McGregor and Poirier. Like, and so I think that's the thing. I think the biggest mistake Freemasonry made, in my opinion, over the last, say, since the 1950s, is there was this idea that we're just going to communicate within ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, there are some things that we can and we should only communicate to ourselves, the secrets, the grips, those things matter. But the overarching philosophies of the craft, the benefits of Freemasonry, not just to the members, but the benefits of having a Masonic Lodge in a community, the benefits that a temple brings to a community, right? Those are things worth discussing. And like, I, I will very much hope that Masons, for example, get something of use from this podcast, but I truly believe that non-Masons can benefit from this podcast as well in other episodes I've done. And then, you know, a certain percentage of those may decide to look into joining the craft, but, you know, so, you, you know, if a, a lodge, for example, decided to start a podcast itself, like the, the Ezekiel Bates podcast or whatever it is, the Lodge X podcast, 
you know, I've only been doing this for a while. I'm not making a ton of money, but I'm making some money. Fort at worth it. Like 140. If, there you go. If, if the lodge itself starts a podcast, they could theoretically go on Patreon. They can do all these things and they can, you know, generate income for an interest in the lodge that can go to, you know, help the buildings, help the membership, put on more events. Um, like I, I suspect, and I don't have the evidence yet, but I'm working on it. I suspect that esotericism and masonry is not quite as niche a topic as people think. I think that there is a general public that would be interested in supporting it and learning more about it, even if they don't necessarily want to be masons themselves, if that makes any sense. That was a super interesting route you went down. Um, and, and, and I wanted to chime in first because um, you, you brought up a really interesting point, uh, Brother Cameron, when you talked about um, needing fans and, you know, and the fan analogy that you brought, I found that super interesting. And um, just to throw my two cents in on, onto that conversation, I think for me, Freemasonry is, I think the exact opposite of, of the spectator sport, right? It's, it's, but to your point, I think we do a, a, absolutely shit job in in advertising or marketing what our message is not so much to get more clicks or to get more people to go through the door but you go from lodge to lodge to lodge you'll you know if you ask 10 different people what freemasonry is if you ask 10 different freemasons what freemasonry is they'll give you a different answer right because our identity has become so mishmashed in in that collective membership drive that boomed for 60 years, right? So to some people, we're a social club and that's all we are. For some people, we're a charity and that's all we are. For some people, we're a fraternal organization um, akin to a college fraternity. For some, we're a, you know, we're a um, symbolic representation of what a mystery school was. So we're all these things to all these different people and, and at least me personally, I feel like we've lost our identity. And that, as, as a result of that, everything that we do, including participating in the community has gotten watered down, right? So for me, my, my stance is um, I, I don't think Freemasonry is a spectator sport to where we see people, uh, to your point, um, become fans about it. But I, th I think it'd be really awesome if people became fans about Freemasonry because of all the ancillary things we start doing because we take the one thing that we're supposed to be doing and do it well, which is to take a person who is profane and put him through an initiatic process and make him a better person than he was the day before, right? Then all the magic and the gravy comes as a result of that. You will naturally become a more charitable person with your time and your money and your energy. You will automatically want to become more involved in your community and help other people become better people as well, right? That, that famous bumper sticker that, you know, which I think is awful um, of making good people better. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have a more fraternal bond. You'll want to be more social with people all as a result of going through that experience. You'll want to invest in your kids and the groups that they find relevant to their personal growth. Yeah. Like, yes. And yes. I think, yeah. and to run off that, you know, I think, sorry, Cameron, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, you know, I think, I think Freemasonry links very well to the the concept of esotericon right um you know those masons out there who are scottish right masons especially 
you know, there are a lot of esoteric topics within, and I mean, you know, Pike wrote a lot about esoteric topics, right? He has his, his book, Esoterica. Um, but when you dig into morals and dogma, you know, there's a lot of those es- esoteric topics in there that, you know, it, it gets, glo- you go through your, your two day or one day reunion, whatever, to get to the, to get to the 32nd degree. And, um, <laughs> and, and but it, and we just gloss over those topics a little bit. And then, you know, those who kind of, you know, my personal experience was I, I hopped into the master craftsman program and, and just, I, you know, I'm reading, you know, reading those books and doing those tests. I'm like, holy crap, like there's a lot more here that, uh, that I wasn't aware of that, you know, we give about five minutes of attention to in a two day reunion. Like, why, why are we not talking about this stuff? Um, and, you know, that's essentially what's brought me to where, where we are now with Esotericon. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think these topics, you know, masonry and the esoteric lend, lend really well to each other. Yeah. And, and just to, to build off of that, um, when you talked about kind of the, like that MMA example that, you know, MMA isn't for everyone and that's okay. And then those who really want to get in, get in. And that's what, that's what drew my support behind Esotericon because um, that's, that's the part I enjoy about masonry. You know, while the fraternal side is great, you know, getting to, to see your brothers and all that and help each other out. Um, then there's also when you're actually in lodge, you know, I, I'm not there to, listen to bills being read. I'm sorry. That's, it, it sounds trite and it is the cliche, but you know, I want to, he- I want to hear what's going to make me better, right? That's what we're here to do, make ourselves better. And so um, I like to, I like to work my mind a little bit, put some, put some folds in my brain. You like to and break so, a mental sweat too. Yes. Uh, yes. Break up a mental sweat. So, um, so that's what, as we were kind of building out the past three years of Esotericon, that's what I like about this is because like, what would I want in an esoteric conference, right? Where I don't have to worry about ritual. I don't have to worry about titles. I don't, you know, that, that's a big, huge thing, right? Where from, from day one, even when we were in person, we said, this is, there's no titles here because we're not going to, we're not going to let most worshipful grand muckety buck get a, a seat at the table. You know, no, we're all here for one purpose and it's not to, um, it's not to, say how great we are it's really just the opposite it's, it's here to learn so that's um keep carrying that forward now in our third year um really want to focus on how can i take a variety of different concepts and topics uh put some really smart people in the same room even virtual room together so that you can fire some neurons you can say hi i never I never thought about the craft from this directive before or now that we're not really trying to be a, a, a masonic owned organization you know any other any other things that we've been reading or researching or studying like there's there's so many areas to explore and um it's it's liberating because you know you don't have to be a mason to attend so you know we have we have women that show up we have people from other jurisdictions that you know aren't recognized show up and that's fine because it's not a masonic conference and that's the whole point no and just to just to put a cherry on top of that because john kind of hit the nail on the head there um I don't think we ever, we were never, believe me, from the, from the location where we live and, and the jurisdictions that we're near, we were never the popular kids. Um, you know, we were always the rabble rousers. Um, Still are. We are, but uh, we never wanted to be officially uh, tied to a lodge or a jurisdiction or a body or something because we never wanted 
anyone to come in and tell us what we were allowed to do and what we were not allowed to do. Right. Um, some some of your other Masonic conferences do get the support from their lodge and their Grand Lodge and, um, you know, and they stay within those confines. But especially for us, um, you know, uh, I, I think I can speak for everybody when I say for me, the, the, the signs, the grips and the words aren't really the secrets of Freemasonry. Um, you know, those are just how you get in the door. Um, but again, those those secrets of Freemasonry for me um, and uh, I think for Kevin. Um, maybe John and sometimes Jason are, are those, um, those universal things that, you know, that other people do quite equally as well as, as Freemasonry does. So that's why we never wanted to be wedded to, okay, we can only have guys in here who are master Masons and we're going to check dues cards. Um, so we kind of broke out of that mold fairly quickly. And I think we're more successful as a result. Yeah. I mean, case in point, you know, this, we, for the past, uh, you know, last year and and this year, um, we we have special breakout rooms for the ladies who are in attendance, um, and it's you know, and that's that's taking place during lunch, so it's not taking away from any of the other presentations, but we're trying very very hard to remove that rank and that bias and really be open to anyone who's seeking. And in a way that that masonry can't or or won't. It's, I I think, it's that masonry won't, and I think that's the the, the challenge, right? And and I like, you know, I, there's always even with with this podcast, with with almost any endeavor that's being taken on, right? There's always the tension between do you kind of strike out on your own, quote unquote, um, and and be independent and you have the freedom of independence and you know there's a disclaimer right in every video the description you know this video does not represent the opinions of Grand Lodge of, of Ontario or Grand Lodge of Canada the province of Ontario you know do you be independent and have the freedom of that versus do you link up or connect yourself with a you know existing Masonic body whether it be a Grand Lodge or a Lodge and try to go at it that way where you have less freedom but maybe you have more resources to draw from depending on who you're working with like it's that's a tension that you know you probably the virtual space right that has always existed but even more so now with the virtual space and with grand lodges trying to figure out like how to regulate social media and you have brothers you know going all half cocked you know saying a whole bunch of random nonsense online or even just, you know, the, they may put something in relatively innocuous and then another brother takes offense. Like the, 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 yeah, the freedom versus the um, resources that a Grand Lodge or a Masonic body provides. That's always that, that tension. I don't see it going anywhere. I, anybody can guess based on, you know, this podcast. I am, believe the, the secret is more the independent route. But I can definitely appreciate why there's some uh, hesitation uh, amongst brethren. I think I think that John said it best, actually. And I'm going to be very honest with you when I say when we planned the first Esotericon, if we got 20 people to show up, we were going to consider that a success, right? We did not, and and John said it exactly right. We wanted to put together. We had just um, most of us had just come back from um ezekiel bates masonic on 2018 and we came back down and said everyone except kevin except kevin he didn't Sorry. Go. call him out yeah thanks um, appreciate it 
Love you, Jason. We Love came back and said, we need to do something like this for ourselves. And we all want to do just strictly esotericism, right? Esoteric topics and stuff. And then we honestly thought about it. We were like, listen, if we get 10 or 15 or 20 people to show up, that's a success. Um, when we sold out the place, um, we rented my lodge at the time. When we sold out the place, we were completely shocked. We were like, holy shit, we can't believe we packed this place up. And we were trying to figure out how to fit more people in the room because people wanted to keep buying tickets. So yeah. um, I think it's it's where you're coming from with that. But but just to touch on your other point, when we were going to Ezekiel Bates Masonicon in person, they would get 2,000, 2,500 people to walk in and out throughout the day, right? So they needed their lodge's support. They needed Grand Lodge um, oversight and management because they were basically, they were treating it as, hey, come learn about Freemasonry and come to this event and spend all weekend with us. Um, so it was a much more um, enterprise level event than what we were trying to do. So yeah, there's definitely both sides to, to that coin. I mean, Esotericon's a startup. It's, yeah. we, we said, okay, let's- A lean let's startup, Jason. It's a lean startup. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we, yeah, we, we said, what would, if we were kings for a day, what would we want? And how do we put that together so that we scale it up or down as we sell tickets and as we get interest? Again, so that, so that um, we break even at the, at the end of the day. Build a um, budget. Yeah. And if more people, it's what happened the first year, we, as more and more folks bought tickets, we added more stuff in, um, you know, tarot readings, tarot cards in the swag bags, like, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, and we, we just kept it flexible and really in a way the, the ticket holders ended up, um, you know, being the biggest decision makers and, and how much, was offered to them during that day. And that's, that's still the case. And to go, you know, to go back to what we were, we were talking about earlier, I think, you know, from year one, the biggest, you know, the biggest feedback we got from attendees, especially the Masonic attendees was, you know, this is great. This is something I'm not getting out of my Masonic experience, which, you know, given that that's why the four of us started this, you know, really hit home for us and you know made us obviously made us feel good that that we were putting this together but yeah i mean this you know this stuff is not being talked about you know we talk about it a little bit here and there but you know only in passing um so you know the hunger is out there for these these topics and and nobody was no nobody was filling that that niche until until we came along So what is uh, the next steps for Esoteric So we're recording this on the 6th of June, and 12th. this should be up on... Um... Oh. Sorry? <laughs> no, you're, we're recording this episode on the 6th. Yes, we're recording this episode I, on the 6th. I and have terrible be, manners, I'm sorry. This should be up on the 9th is when I will... Uh, post this so uh and like i said before there's a link in the description for where you can purchase tickets for this event it's virtual you don't even need to wear pants which is always a positive in any situation um so after people purchase their their tickets whether it's masons non-masons men women whatever it is purchase your tickets um do they then receive a 
Like what's the next steps? They get a Zoom link. Should they be checking their emails for that? Uh, how do they log on? All that good stuff. Sure. So yeah, we've been pretty awesome, I think, at keeping people informed. Um, anybody who purchases a ticket gets on a uh, gets on a MailChimp uh, list, and then our Facebook page gets smattered with updates all the time. Um, but yeah, everybody who's bought a ticket automatically gets registered. They get a Zoom link and you know a nice, pretty welcome email that's all branded and stuff. Um, and we pretty much pester people the last few days up until the morning of just so people can't say, oh, how do I do this? How do I log in? You know, we don't, we don't have those issues. Um, and last year it was, again, uh, setting it up in a really short amount of time. I think it went off without a hitch. Um, everybody was able to log in. We didn't have any drama, any issues, um, and, it, and it went really well. So um, yeah, once you uh, decide to purchase a ticket, um, yeah, you'll be inundated with emails from uh, John and Jason and Joe. Now, now yeah. talk about the difference, Joe, between like a Zoom webinar versus just a normal Zoom meeting. Yeah, absolutely. So we decided last year to go with the webinar format for the primary reason that all of us have sat in on hundred people Zoom meetings and you know where you have twenty percent of the people that don't know. Hey, how so what are you wearing? What, what's going on? Hey, off their damn hey. microphone. Hey, hey hot mic. <laughs> yes. could, could you guys please mute your mics? We're we're trying to have a conference here. <laughs> or or your great Dane walks into the room. What's for dinner? Um, yeah. So we don't want any of that. Uh, you know, people don't that don't know how to use their microphones or how to mute them. Um, so it's webinar format. So that means the panelists and the and the admins are the ones who do the talking. Um, we will turn on the mics uh, in between breaks and for you know little breakout sessions and things like that. But it usually runs a lot more cleanly than just a open Zoom meeting where everybody is screaming into the microphone. So, and you know, there's there's a downside to doing that too. Um, it's it's not as organic of a feel. Um, but we really had to weigh the pros and cons and the cost benefit of giving ourselves more control for a better overall quality experience, uh, especially with the speakers, um, as opposed to, to giving folks greater freedom to be on an eight hour Zoom call without pants with, you know, a hot mic that they're not paying attention to. And um, the Esotericon itself, so people are logged in and, um, you know, it's the webinar format. Obviously, you guys have all, a lot of information on the website in terms of the speakers and, and uh, the topics, but just generally speaking, uh, what can people expect when they take part in, in this Esotericon, both you know, what can they expect as a Mason if they're doing it, but also what can they expect uh, if they're not a Mason and what benefits will they will receive in both cases? I don't think it's a mutually exclusive benefit. I think being a Mason means that you're involved in a mystery school. Non-Masons might have similar initiatic experiences that they've taken part in outside of Masonry. I dare say non-Masons who are attracted to this particular conference almost have to have some involvement in some sort of mystery school or, or institution. I mean, we, we have a number of non-Masons who, who have come out every year and they're, they're involved in, in their own search for truth. So I, I would say the, the benefit here 
overlaps between the Mason and, and the non-Mason. I think for the Mason, you can expect to have your horizons brightened a little bit. Uh, I think there's a there's a tendency in American Freemasonry uh, in particular to look at everything from a Christian worldview and a Christian lens. Um, so Brent, being able to come in here and be exposed to other, you know, global worldviews or mystery schools outside of, you know, the, the Christian sphere of influence, I think is, is something that, that folks will be able to gain. And, you know, and that's, that's a good way to, to broaden your horizons and, and get out of kind of, we talk about provincial masonry, where it's the guys who have just been in their lodge. They have no idea how masonry on the other side of the world or the other side of the state works. Um, this is a way for people to break out of kind of their provincial spirituality and really entertain ideas that are new and exciting and, and thought provoking. And so for Masons, I think that's a huge value proposition. For non-Masons, I think it's a good way to connect with other like-minded individuals um, because you might, you know, you might be studying this um, on your own, but really unsure of, you know, who to connect with. And so this, this is a way to form bonds and, and connections as well if you're a non-Mason. I, um, I really like what you said. It goes back to my point that I made and I kind of one of my Masonic hobby horses, right? You, you have, you know, non-Masons who have attended every year and, and it sounds like that number is, is growing. And I, I just think that's a, an awesome thing um, because it, it indirectly anyways, uh, you know, it, it promotes the craft or promotes, it promotes Masons doing good things because even though it's not a Masonic event, it's um, of Masonic origin, for lack of a better term, right? It's came, came from that. You know, I, I just, the equivalent I can think of is in, so the Windsor Masonic Temple, my favorite place in the world is a hundred years old this year. And if you go back and you read the stories from the Windsor Star in 1921 when it was being built and when the cornerstone came in, you know, there were thousands of, of people, unless, you know, the Windsor Star was engaging in some exaggeration, but based on other openings I've seen at the time, it seems consistent, you know, there were thousands of people to see the turning of the, the first turning of the sod, to see the laying of the cornerstone, Right. And most of those people who attended weren't Masons. They were just excited about the Masonic Temple being built because they recognized, you know, it was one of the things that put their town on the map. There's going to be lots of opportunities for banquets. Business owners were there because they could sell things to the temple for refreshment. You know, it's you had people who cared about this thing being in the city, even if they themselves weren't Masons. And I think, you know, seeing non-Masons attending an Esotericon, for example, it just shows that people care about these topics and these things. And Masonry is one way, not the only way to expand on that. And so just branching out to non-Masons and saying, here are some things that you can be a part of, I think is a, a great thing. And, and it is one thing for which I, I would commend Esotericon. So, Speaking of the larger uh, communities, and we'll, we'll 
move it into Freemasonry a little bit more. Um, how are things right now in North, uh, North Virginia? It looks like on my Facebook feed, anyways, most lodges in the States have started meeting again in person. Is that happening uh, with you guys? Yep. We, well, we never stopped in, in Virginia. Um, some of my other jurisdictions went, went dark. Uh, we just did the uh, um, less people, limits on people's yeah. masks, yeah. social distancing, but everything uh, to my knowledge opened back up on June 1st here um, to where I just had my stated a, a couple of days ago, uh, no masks, no social distancing. Everybody was hugging, you know, with, with vaccines, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, everything's pretty much uh, wide open here. Back to back to full full capacity, I think right now. It's, Good. It's, it's we nice. are at um, yeah in Ontario. We are our our in person meetings are still suspended till as of right now September first. Um, and I'm not you know uh, for the record I'm not shitting on on anybody. Every jurisdiction kind of has to figure it out as best they can. I know in Ontario or in Canada in general, unfortunately, we've just had less vaccines delivered. So we, our vaccination rates are just a lot lower than in the States. Um, so I understand, you know, why Grand Lodge is making the choices that they're making and, and why the government, you know, makes their choices. So I'm not shitting on them. At the same <laughs> time though, it's great to see uh, Virginia back up to full capacity. And yeah, it's awesome. I'm just happy to hear that, that you guys are, are back to full capacity. It, and it, able to do, oh, sorry, Joe, go ahead. No, I was just going to comment. I, I have a lot of um, coworkers and, and uh, people that I work with that are in Canada. And, you know, they're, they're hearing now that you got, I, I know one guy in particular, he uh, went to register a month ago and his vaccine is scheduled for October. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, whereas like by me, um, I can go across the street to the CVS and just walk in and get a vaccine. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But yeah, I've heard a lot of my Canadian friends saying it take months and months and months to to get vaccinated and you know who not not to get political but i i do i would i do wish our government did a better job at, at acquiring vaccines but i also have no idea how that stuff works like it, is it just because you guys have a bigger population like that that's my biggest beef in the masonic sphere right now is when you look on social media um there's a lot of like why is it that this jurisdiction is doing it this way, but this jurisdiction can't? And it's like, everything is so different and we're all just kind of muddling through. Uh, you know, I take it as, you know, the fact that, you know, Virginia, Texas, wherever it is, Florida are, are back open full, right? I take that as a good sign because it means Ontario is is on its way. It's just a matter of getting the vaccination. So, you know, just everybody be patient. We'll get it done when we get it done. And in the meantime, you know, we still have the, the online events. We're having a virtual beer and cheese tasting with Harmony Lodge, uh, which is a chance to support a local business. Chapter 2 Brewing is, is putting together packages and delivering them with local, local beers. So there's lots of different things that can be done, uh, which I also think is far more productive than, than you know, the shitting on Grand Lodge because they haven't opened us up like Florida. For example, not to get personal about anything, but that's just my my two cents. But yeah, I'm happy to hear. And has attendance gone back to pre-pandemic levels? Any any drop off or any increase? Uh, I can't. I I know. Ke well, Kevin's uh, master at, at his lodge 
Um, and I know he's been meeting throughout the pandemic, but uh, we, we had our first full stated on Friday uh, and we probably had twice the amount of people that we had pre pandemic show up. I think people were just so excited to get the hell out of the house and go have a meal and sit with their brothers and listen to minutes being read. They were just super excited for it. Um, I'll even take minutes being read. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. We were surprised. We had double, double our average attendance. Yeah. Our, our, our numbers are going up. We, you know, our lodge space is fairly small. So, um, you know, during, during all of this, we just, we limited it to just the officers of the lodge and we kept it to strict business and then education. We were doing education virtually through monthly zoom sessions, um, which I think will probably likely continue in some form or another. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think the biggest excitement for us is just the fact that we're able to do degree work again, because degree work was shut down throughout all of, well, except for the one day conferrals we did. Um, So now that we're allowed to actually confer degrees as a lodged again is exciting people. So, you know, getting together for practices and getting ready for that. Um, you know, we're getting good, really good involvement from the membership, which is good, which is good. Yeah. I wonder if, if Freemasonry before the pandemic, uh, you know, kind of suffered from like, you know, the, the side chick phenomenon, this idea that like, well, it's always going to be there. So yeah, because, because how many guys, you know, even in, so, Things shut down in person in Ontario in March of 2020. So how many Masons in February, uh, you know, missed a meeting with the thought of, I can just go in March, you know, uh, it, it'll always be there and I can miss meetings without having to worry about, you know, and, and you find out that not only, you know, no, you can't go in March, but no, you can't go in person for the next year and, and a half, basically. And maybe, I don't know if it's the same thing in Virginia, but Maybe, you know, that whether it's no meetings or reduced capacity meetings, maybe, you know, it reminded some guys that actually I can't always count on an in-person lodge meeting. Things can happen outside of my control and, you know, I better schedule the time to actually uh, attend, you know. It's easy to take something for granted when it's always there. Um, So... Let's end with, uh, with this. One more time, I'm going to remind everybody, get your tickets for Esotericon. Is it, um, is it June 12th every year? No. All right. So no. for this year, it's June 12th. And then pay attention, because you guys are on Facebook, all that stuff, right? Pay attention. Next year, uh, is it always around the same time? Always in June, it, usually? Yes. In it June, is. we try to go around Father's Day, so we don't want right. to double up. You know, Father's Day. So we, wherever that falls, we try to go around that before, yeah. after. We and made we, that mistake year one. Yeah, yeah. We had a Father's Day weekend. It was, it was rough. But uh, we'll announce next year's uh, at this year's event. So, okay. So then, um, if you're going at the you end, should... so make. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Cameron. At the end, so make sure you stick around for the full Esotericon. Elsewise, you won't know when we're going to be having it next year. Yeah, because we're never going to announce it again. No, no, we're not. <laughs> so there you go stick around to the end of, of Esotericon so you can get that information and as Joe said uh, you know next year knock on wood uh, barring unforeseen circumstances it will be in person and 
you know, virtual is great. I appreciate all the work you are doing for virtual, but also like Joe said, you know, there is something special about doing these events in person. So if you make it there in person, go for it. And, and brother, it's not to say that we won't have a virtual component, but our, our hard and earnest goal is to be in person and, um, you know, shake hands and hug again and just, you know, get back down to that, that year one vibe. So, but that's not to say that, you know, if you live far away or don't have means to travel that you can't participate with us either. So, but wait till Saturday. There you go. All right. Uh, check out the description. I always mention, you know, like, comment, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Share the video, go to Patreon, uh, find us on Spotify. I'm just on Clubhouse. That's fun. I saw Jason. Uh, is follows me on. We're following each other on Clubhouse now. Yep. You, uh, I forget. I think it said on Clubhouse that you are interested in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Uh, blockchain. Well, I don't know what is that. Is that cryptocurrency? What is blockchain? Not that we're going way off topic now. <laughs> it's uh, uh, so it's it's uh, what cryptocurrency is based off of, but it's it's utility is not limited to cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is a way to facilitate the transactional nature of the blockchain. Well, I'll have to have you back on the podcast at some point because I'm interested in in Freemason and cryptocurrency. I've always wondered about that. If there's like a some type of ICO or something that a Grand Lodge can do in there, or even just investing in cryptocurrency. I talked to a candidate for Grand Treasurer in Ontario about that, and he just said it's too volatile, that uh, Grand Lodge was so risk averse that they would never consider any type of cryptocurrency involvement. But I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about money. I mean, I Grand Lodges have been betting on a losing membership strategy since 1959. So, well, there you go. So, why not? Stability. You know? I, I think it's an interesting idea. The, the basic premise of, of a crypto, right, is it's just if enough people value something at a sufficient amount, any, you know, you kind of force governments to value it at the same amount is kind of the basic premise. That's, well, how, most, that's how most regular currency is nowadays. So it's really no different. The only difference is that with regular currency, you have one particular body in the U.S., the Fed, um, that tries to influence and determine the value. Whereas cryptocurrency is decentralized. So it's, it's almost like Wikipedia in the way where it's self-regulating. Um, but you do get, yeah, big, big swings. So uh, John Ruark is, is the god of cryptocurrency. He's been doing Bitcoin for years and years and years. And it's funny because John, Joe, and I are all in a little, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, you know, blockchain chat group where we we just talk about the, the theory behind it. Would you like to buy some Hiram coin? I got this great coin. It's awesome. It's going to the moon and uh, only for Mason's Hiram coin. Well, then, then all right, John, let's. let's the market cap is $300. <laughs> can, uh, can, can in the Sonic jurisdiction or can Mason's do a uh, uh, try to do some type of ICO or even just be involved in the, the crypto market at all? Would, they, would there be any benefit potentially to that? Let's get all paper dues cards first, then worry about the rest yeah. of the yeah. dig digital well, universe. Let's start emailing minutes. Yeah, yes. Then we can focus on crypto. All right. I love my my paper dues cards. I've got like three of them in my, my wallet at the moment. They're great. They're always, uh, you know, I would like them to be laminated for the secretary. I'm, I, I'm the secretary. I should laminate the dues cards, but I'm, I'm a fan of having it in the, uh, in the wallet. But 
I, I mean, could you, what would an electronic dues card be? Like a, a barcode thing you scan on your, well, there you go, on the phone. Yeah, right on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm opening mine up now. You may have heard of a little uh, Amity should get into Amity. That. Yeah. Yes. What is, I've not heard of that. What is it? What? Uh, Jason, tell him. Uh, Amity is an app that's been around for at least five or six years now. It's been a while for him. And uh, they are trying to bring identification and authentication of Freemasons into um, the digital age. Uh, they've made some huge strides within the past year. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the list of lodges Masonic. It's yep. a, uh, they, they have taken over for the publishers of the list of lodges Masonic. Um, so they are, they are now compiling and adjudicating the, you know, authorized list of, of regular lodges now. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're not going to be able to see that, Joe. It's just a, a absolutely uh, phenomenal app. Uh, we can we can hook you up with uh, with Jeremy and and company from uh, from Amity. They're they're really cool, really down to earth, and they're they're making an app for Freemasons living in the digital age. Yeah, shoot me their stuff. Throw a com throw a, a comment down. Uh, on the video when it when it pops out because that sounds like a very cool thing i'd love to talk to him about it no i've, I've heard of, i've heard of the list uh and i've got an app like a, a lodge locator app or something like that effect but i've never heard of damity so i'm gonna check that out for sure and thank you guys so much i'm sure you're all very busy getting ready for uh geez less than a week now yeah June 12th. so it's interesting. That's the same day that registration opens up for electronic voting for Grand Lodge. So there you go, Ontario Masons. You can, you'll be on the computer anyways, registering. All you got to do is then just click one more link, and you know you're right there at Ontario. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thanks, brother Cameron. See ya.